Welcome to everyone tonight, and especially if you're a guest with us tonight. We are so happy to have you in service. Thank you for being here. If you're watching us online tonight, wherever you may be watching from, we pray that you are blessed by this service. This is not, this isn't my message. I just, I just want to make a declaration to you here tonight. Some of you will recognize this verse because I have used it numerous times in leadership settings. You've heard me talk about it, but I just, it, it's just been on my heart the last day or so. Isaiah 54, again, this isn't my message. I just, I just feel to read this and declare this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. And I just want you to know tonight we are on the verge of a breaking forth. I said, we are on the verge of a breaking forth. Hallelujah. 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 And I believe that, and I don't say that, that we are just magically on the verge. We are on the verge because... I believe we have prepared more than ever. We are in the process of lengthening the cords and strengthening the stakes more than we ever have. And so therefore we are about to break forth. I don't care what it looks like right now. I don't care what you see with your natural eye. But I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost there's about to be a breaking forth. I believe there are just a few things that God is kind of solidifying. And that as those things are solidified, we are going to begin to see what it is we have been believing for. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, they're they're going to bring two offering baskets and just sit them here. And uh, I want to tell you up front, I I had my direction, and then I remembered that it's the first Sunday of the month. And we have started now as a part of the first Sunday, or January, it wasn't the first Sunday because of schedule and stuff, but the first Sunday of each month, we're taking a missions offering. And if you give already regularly to missions, do that when or where, if you want to do that as a part of this offering. So I I want you to know that because um, I want you to know that in advance that I'm not just trying to set you up. And again, I I had my direction before I I remembered. So there is no pre-planned effort um, with what I'm about to feel. And it's not just about money, so just so you know, but. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. We'll begin reading with verse 5. If you're not standing and you're able to stand, if you would do that in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord this evening. 1 Kings 19 and 5. Brother Eric, just as a heads up, I'm still going to use you, just not when I thought I was, so don't check out on me. <laughs> 1 Kings 19 and beginning with verse number 5. And as he lay and slept, and this is Elijah, as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold then, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Now he's been sleeping. He's also in the process of running from Jezebel. He arises and eats, and verse five, verse 6 says, He looked, he wakes up and he looks, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. 
And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Sounds like what we're used to doing. Eat, sleep. Eat, sleep. Verse number 7. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Now, I don't know what he ate, but that was some serious eating. He went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights to the Mount of Horeb. I want to preach to you tonight. I guess if you need a title, here's the title, if nothing else, for the media ministry. The Purpose of Provision. The Purpose of Provision. God, thank you for the chance of being in your presence this evening. And while it may be a little bit different of a service, not the norm, your presence is still here. You are still here to continue to work and move and minister in this place. I thank you for the things that you are doing right now, God, in this congregation collectively. And I thank you for what you're doing individually in our lives. And I pray that this evening would be a part of the continuation of that work, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. He wakes him up from sleeping and says, eat. And he eats and he drinks and he goes back to sleep. And I don't know about you, it's kind of hard to fall back to sleep after you woke up and the angel of the Lord had just miraculously provided you with food. But nevertheless, he comes the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And he went in the strength of that meat. Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Charles Spurgeon said this. Some Christians are for living on Christ but are not so anxious to live for Christ. Read it again. Some Christians are for living on Christ, but are not so anxious to live for Christ. There's a whole lot of people that are willing to live for God to provide all that they want, all that they desire. And so their relationship with God is dependent upon what they can get. But it's not as many that are willing to live for Christ. That their purpose, their passion is not themselves. We live in a society of consumers. And I believe that that mentality has worked its way into the church. That's why people go from one church to the next church the same way you go from one fast food restaurant to another fast food restaurant. If this one doesn't serve me what I want or what I like, I will just go find the one that does. And I promise you, you can find a church that's probably going to tell you what you want to hear. And if that's what you're interested, I think the Bible talks about that as itching ears. Those that just want to hear what they want to hear. But I just tell you tonight, if you're not familiar with it, usually thus saith the Lord is not always what you want to hear. Sometimes a thus saith the Lord rubs against your flesh. 
Sometimes a, a thus saith the Lord is not what you want to hear, but it is what you need to hear. And so if you are in this simply for what you can get out of it, then you're not going to appreciate those times. But if you are in this with the understanding that God has called me into his kingdom for a purpose, that I have a call and a mission in his kingdom, and my life is not my own, but it belongs to him, then you're okay with being rubbed the wrong way sometimes. The angel wakes him up and says, you need to eat because this is to sustain you for what's to come. This is not about you and I coming Sunday morning and Sunday night to see how many blessings we can accumulate. We are not here tonight to just receive another touch from God to help us in our own lives. That's not why we're here. The reason, one of the reasons why we are here is so that God can give us some provision for what's to come. And I don't mean what's to come necessarily, you can apply it in the sense of challenges and difficulties, but I mean what's to come because God has got some things in store for you and I, some good things. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for them but it's not just for you and whatever is for you is not just for your own personal enjoyment and pleasure James chapter 4 and verse number 2 says this you lust and you have not you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain You fight and war, you have not because you ask not. The Amplified says verse 2 this way, You are jealous and covet what others have. And your desires go unfulfilled. Some of you just don't understand why it is certain folks get new cars and new houses and new stuff. You don't understand why they get that because you're trying to get it and you don't. You don't know the secret. The secret is they haven't been trying to get it. The secret is that's not what they've been living for. The secret is they have been seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and so God has freely added to them. You covet what others have and you des- and your desires go unfulfilled. You become murderers. Well, we all know that's not us. Well, let's read the Amplified. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. No, we don't kill each other physically. We just do it verbally. Oh boy, here we, I don't, I'm gonna start timing how quick it takes me to get off track. We, we don't do it. We, we'd never kill somebody physically. We'll slice and dice with our words. Well, well, well. To hate is murder as far as your hearts are concerned. You burn with envy and anger and are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and war. You do not have because you ask not. Well, wait, well hold on. I, I've asked. Don't raise a hand. It would be a trick question. How many of you? I've asked. I've asked and I still don't have. So then the scripture's not telling the truth because I've asked and I, well, let's not stop reading. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Again, the amplified verse three, or do you ask God for them and yet fail to receive? Because you ask with wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives. Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures or let's just say it this way, to spend it on yourself. And I don't think that there is limited to finances alone. It's to spend your energy, to spend your time on what pleases you, on what benefits you. Oh boy. 
I guess I guess the Lord just knows if he told me in advance, I definitely would fight it. So he just makes me jump in it unexpectedly. It's about us. It's about me. It's my time. It's my life. I I, I got to tell you, I'm becoming more and more disturbed. And I'm not talking. If you're a guest tonight, I'm not talking to you right now. Some of this other may 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 benefit you, but this moment I just want you to know it's not for you. If you're if you're fairly new here, you're coming here, but you're fairly new. I'm not talking to you, so you you are you have my permission for the next few moments to get your shovel out. I'll tell you when to put it away. I, I I've never I've never I've I've never seen a day, brother Middleton, in which church attendance was so optional. I mean, the way I was raised, I know that's old-fashioned. The way I was raised was everything else was second to church. Everything else was scheduled around church. Well, Brother right, but this isn't all about church. No, it's not all about church, but I do recall the Scripture saying, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, i got to tell you, you, gotta, you if you're sick and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're uh, contagious, please stay home. I know we should have more faith in that, but, you know, God does give us common sense, too. We ask, but we ask amiss. It's our lives. It's our time. We want God to bless us, but we want Him to bless us for our own purposes. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing, it can't be about just what you can get. In fact, it's not supposed to be at all about what you can get. It's supposed to be about what you can give. It's supposed to be about what can I be a conduit to flow through my life. And so the things that God gives to me are not because that's what I'm pursuing. It's what God is adding to me. And so if it has to do with the kingdom, that is my first and foremost priority. Whether it's my finances, my time, my talents, my abilities, whatever. It's the kingdom first and then everything else falls into place. I'm just going to insert this. My wife and I have a track record of ministering to and being pro-family. This isn't about neglecting your family. Let me tell you something. Oh my God, how in the world did I get here? Some of you need to not be surprised in a couple of years when your kids don't come to church. Because when you teach them church is optional, every generation's normal tendency is to go to the next level. And if you teach them every now and then it's really not a big deal, they're going to grow up thinking if every now and then it's not a big deal, then most of the time's not a big deal. This isn't original, but I had a drug problem most of my life, and it started when I was young. My drug problem started when I was real young. I got drugged to church Sunday morning. I got drugged to church Sunday night. I got drugged to church Thursday night. I got drugged to other ministry events during the week. I got drugged to conferences. I got drugged to prayer meetings. I got drugged to all kinds of stuff. And you know what? Seems like it worked okay. Education is not more important than the kingdom. Dear Lord, I have no idea how we got here. Listen to this. Listen to this. Second Corinthians. I taught this a couple of nights ago at the leadership development class. It's kind of interesting. Most of the people at leadership development were all people who have been in leadership for decades. It was kind of odd. I was really surprised when... Anyway, man, this is not what I, <laughs> this is, <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I, I was thinking, let me, let me, I was, I forget, I, I, I can't remember if it was a service or if it was in a, in a, in a, in a, I think, actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was in a session we did with leaders with Brother Groshbach. 
See, here's, here's the chat. We got, it's one thing to say you want God to use you. It's one thing to say you want to be used of God. It's a whole nother thing to live a life that demonstrates you are serious about that. And I, I never heard, brother, for those of you that don't know who that is, brother Grossbach, brother and sister Grossbach were saved in this church in the seventies. They went to, they went to Africa as missionaries for 30 years, had eternity alone will tell the impact that their, their lives had on throughout Africa. And Brother Grossbach, he became a pilot, and, and that was such a huge benefit to his ministry in Africa. And, and uh, he, he, uh, I'd never heard this. I'm pretty sure it was in that session in the chapel, and he shared the story that he went through a period of time where he, he was working at the church, and he got a second job that was on, I think, Friday and Saturday nights being a security guard, and he would work all night Friday night, all night Saturday night. He would leave the job Saturday night to come to church, not having slept. And the reason he had that job was strictly for the purpose of getting the finances to be able to put himself through school to get his pilot's license. And you and I are going to patty cake around with this and expect that God is going to use us to impact hundreds and thousands of people and we can't give Him more than we're already giving Him because we are consuming it upon ourselves? Oh my, yeah, I, I'm, this is, woof. Second Corinthians 9, this is what I talked about it. leadership development. Second Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God, any, before I read this, this, this really isn't a trick question, but anybody really believe the word of God is true? But you really believe what the word of God says? Listen to what this, this says. God is able to make all grace... What have we heard the last several weeks? That you would grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things. What he's saying there is... That you have more than enough in every area. You don't have to raise a hand right now, but I wonder how many of you could say you are, you are sitting here tonight and you have more than a, you don't need any more in any area. Paul says God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. But, but here's the reason why all grace abounds toward us. Not so that we can consume it on ourselves for our own pleasure. But he makes it abound towards us for every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The Amplified says, verse 8, this way, God is able to make all grace... Every favor and earthly blessing. Now listen to this next part. Come to you in abundance. He is able to make it come to you in abundance. That there is more than what you need. But why? So that you will always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be... Self-sufficient, 
possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. The easy to read version says it this way. God can give you, you ready for this? Anybody got the easy to read version on your device? Listen to what it says. God can give you more blessings than you need. I got, don't, don't ask this from some like sanctimonious, super spiritual perspective. Okay. How many of you can say tonight, you feel like right now in, and again, in all areas is what Paul's not talking about just in spiritual ministry. He's talking about in everything. How many of you sitting here tonight can say you've got more blessings than you need? You got more than what you can handle. How many of you are praying for God to stop giving? Anybody pray? Anybody pray? Let's just put it that way. Anybody? Oh God, no. God, no more blessings. I can't, I can't take any more blessings. But what did Paul say? God can give you more blessings than you need. And you will always have plenty of everything. Wow, that sounds good. We would love, we would love to, we would love to not have to be looking towards the end of the month. Well, I got, got six more days in the month till payday and I got this amount and I still got these obligations. Let's see if I'm going to get through. He said, God is able to give you more than what you need so that you have plenty of everything. Is the word of God true? Does God lie? Can God lie? Can the word of God fail? So then if that's not happening, we don't need to be looking at him. If that's not happening in my life, I don't need to be evaluating him. If that's not happening in my life, I don't need to be evaluating you. If that's not happening in my life, I need to be looking in the mirror and finding out the word of God is true. So if that's not happening in my life, what am I doing to prevent that? More often than not, it just boils down to the motive of why we want it. Because again, he does all of that so you will have enough to give to every good work. He does not want to bless you with more than you need. He does not want to give you more than you need so that you can put it into savings. So that you can get another CD. And I'm not just talking, I'm using financial terms, but I'm not meaning it just financially. He's not trying to give you a better job that pays more and has less hours so that you can lay around and do less. He's wanting to bless you with that scenario so that you can be more involved in whatever your purpose is in his kingdom. What he's called you to do. Not to simply consume it upon yourself. Because he wants to give you more than enough so that you can be a conduit through which he can work. Bible tells, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man says his ground brought forth in abundance. He filled his barns to capacity. But what was his response? I've got more than I can handle. His response wasn't, let me find out. Who can I bless? Let me find out who can I give something to. Who can I be a blessing to? Who can I share with? His response is, I've got too much to handle and there's more coming, so I need to build bigger storage capabilities. It is God's intent for you and I to experience and enjoy His blessings. That is God's design. But notice what 
what Paul says here. Notice verse 10 again. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. How many of you, when God blesses you financially, is your first question is, okay, God, what do you want me to sow? What do you want me to sow, God? What, what portion of this blessing is seed? Because there's a portion of it that is bread for you to consume. There's a portion of it that God wants you to enjoy. But he also intends for you to look at a portion of that. I need to put more ground, more seed into the ground. I need to sow so that I can reap again in the future. I'm sure farmers would love it if all they had to do was sow a field one time and then every year there was a harvest. It's kind of sad that we think God's agricultural laws work that way. I'm going to sow one seed, God, and expect for the rest of my life to keep reaping. You want to reap, keep sowing. You want to reap more, don't sow sparingly. You want a bigger harvest, sow more seed. Again, you can apply this, and I want you to apply this in the context of your finances, but I'm not just preaching to you about your money tonight. I'm preaching about your time, about your talents, about your physical resources that God has endowed you with certain things that ultimately those things are intended to be a blessing in some form or fashion to His kingdom. Don't, don't have to, don't raise your hand. I don't want, I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of you, you, you want, you've been desiring a new house or a new place to live. You want a different place than you're living. It just doesn't seem to be happening. Well, maybe the question is why? Why, what's your motive for that? Why do you want that? Is it just simply for your own benefit? Is it just simply so that you can have a nicer place to enjoy living in, a better dwelling place than what you've had, you know? Is it just so you can sing, moving on up to the east side, to a deluxe apartment in the sky, moving on up to the east side? We finally got a piece of the pie. Beans don't burn in the kitchen. Bunch of young folks are saying, what in the world is he talking about? Why? Is it so you can just go to your job and tell your coworkers the neighborhood you live in now? Or is the fact that you really want someplace better is because you want to be more effective at being able to bring people into your home and share the word of God or minister to somebody who's going through some difficulties and be a safe haven for people to be able to come to. Better car so you can just be more proud of the vehicle? Are you looking for better transportation so it can be more reliable for ministry and taking you to where you need to go for the kingdom's sake and bringing people into the house of the Lord that need God? Come on, brother, right? You really believe that? Absolutely, I do. I believe it because that's what I've experienced in the last... 28 years of my life, marriage especially, but even before that. Seek first. I've told this story before, but we were, we were, we, uh, we'd been married just a couple of years. We bought a, we bought a mobile home. We were living in a mobile home, 14 by 70. We thought we were living, man, because we had spent the first couple of years living in my parents' house in an in-law apartment they built, and now we were on our own. I was I was driving a uh, 1987 four was it five or four I can't remember four or five speed manual transmission pickup Toyota pickup. 
that literally you turn the dial. The only reason I got that, because my grandmother sold it to me at an extremely reasonable cost. Were you still driving your Scirocco at that point? What did we have? Honda. My parents had sold us a car very reasonably as well. It was our anniversary. We went out for our anniversary. We got dinner, and my wife had just started working had gotten a full-time job. I was working at the church, essentially part-time. I was going to college. And uh, she got a job, and, I mean, that, like, tripled our income, I think. <laughs> and we went, we went and got dinner, and then we went out, and uh, they had just come out with uh, the Dodge Stratus, I think. And then there was a Chrysler version of that. I forget which one it was. So we went and walked around, looked at some cars. And we were in a position at that point that we could have afforded because of her income. (laughs) And I became principal of Antioch Christian School. And there was a need for a kindergarten teacher. And my wife agreed to give up her job, which meant foregoing a new car. And come work at the church. And settle down. I know you're going to have to pray through over your jealousy when I tell you what she came to make. She came to the church to earn a paycheck of zero dollars a month. <laughs> I don't remember how she remembers that, but I remember that being a little bit of a difficulty. Because, man, that would have been nice to... You know what? We we made a decision that the kingdom was more important than our own personal pleasure. And I can tell you 28 years later that God has done more than enough to give back for what really in the big scheme of things was a small sacrifice. I've come to tell you tonight, you cannot, again, whether it's your money, your time, your giftings and abilities, you cannot outgive God. But you've got to understand, God's providing you with some provision for what's to come. God was providing Elijah with some strength and some stamina because he had a journey to go on. God's trying to provide some folks with some stuff because he's got a journey for you. But it's not for you to consume what He's providing all on yourself. There's some people, I I don't necessarily feel comfortable calling names tonight for various reasons, but there there are some people in this room that I've had personal conversations with when they were in the midst of trying to make a decision over a job situation. And a couple of them I've had conversations with, it was... It was a good opportunity, it was good money, but they weren't quite sure how it was going to affect and impact their ministry and their ministry involvement. And I've watched several times now as people have turned down very good financial opportunities for the purpose of the kingdom, for the priority of ministry. And it didn't always happen right away. But I've watched now several different times where in time God has given back what it was they gave up and more. Because they made up their mind, I'm not going to be a consumer. I'm not just going to see how many barns I can fill up with my stuff. But I want to find out who can I be a conduit for God to flow through now. Who can I be a channel that God wants to use to bless, to minister to somebody else? Oh, I don't know if y'all, I don't know if I, I don't know if this is flesh. I don't know if you're just tired. I don't know, but there's some. Brother Eric, share your share your testimony, would you please? Whichever part you want. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess this kind of goes back to the beginning of the year when the uh, pastor declared the year of Jubilee. 
Um, I don't know about you guys, but the first thought that went through my head was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting married this year. There's some people coming, backsliders coming back. Yeah, that's year of Jubilee. Um, that was how I approached it. I didn't, I didn't think about it much larger than that, but God has a way of kind of blowing out your expectations sometimes. Uh, even when Brother Isaac gave the testimony about his job and the increase he got, I still wasn't really thinking about it in that aspect. But it was probably a few days after, I think it was, might have been the same week he gave his testimony, I was kind of just sitting around home procrastinating, cleaning, because I didn't want to. But anyway, um, all of a sudden I just felt like, you know what, I think I'm going to apply for a couple jobs, which I haven't done since 2018. I kind of very have been very content where I'm at, even though it can affect things sometimes. So I did. I applied for just a couple, not much. I really hate the job search process, so I didn't really want to do it much. But um, one of them took a bite. Uh, a few days later, uh, they gave me a call. Hey, we want to get an interview. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Could always use some interview practice. I don't, I don't really get it. And then I actually looked into it, and I kind of looked at the salaries that this job was for. I was like, oh, that's... That's not too bad. That's a nice little little increase there. And then I went to the actual interview. It actually went really well. I was actually quite pleased with it. And then not like two days later, <clears throat> they call and they say, hey, we we want to give you that position. And I'm, I was like, oh, sweet. That's, that's awesome. And then they gave me the number <laughs> that they wanted to potentially pay me. And it kind of floored me. Um, and it ended up being a 95% increase from what I currently make. So I was like, "Oh, well, okay," but I, ha- I had to keep it cool. I didn't, I didn't give that away over the phone. But, but it kind of it, it took me back, and there were some other aspects too. So I start that this month, and I get married this month. It's a weird transitionary time. I know, right? It's great. Wow. Um, but kind of going back, Pastor asked me a few weeks ago. Um, the first night he preached on. Uh, the, the foundation, I forget the rest of the title. Yeah, foundation for suddenly. So it kind of felt very sudden. All of a sudden I applied for a job and all of a sudden I got it. But that was just what I was thinking about at first. And this was before he actually preached it. He asked me if I would potentially would want to give a testimony. And I don't like talking in front of people. I'm purposely not looking any of you in the face. Um, I like talking to kids. Most of you are not kids. Um, but after he told me that the Lord started reminding me of some things, probably about a year, year and a half ago. I don't know who it was that preached or if it was a prayer meeting, but something kind of encouraged me to, to start declaring some things, uh, just in general. Now the good old spiritual part of me, most of that was very spiritual declarations, like about backsliders coming back and I forget what else, some other things in my own life. And that was mostly what I was declaring, trying to be good and doing it. And I did it for a while before I started forgetting. Uh, but one of the, like, probably the only very natural, selfish things I prayed about was about a job. Because I wanted a new job because there's a few things that I've, I've had in mind as far as where I wanted to go work-wise. But I started declaring, all right, Lord, you're going to give me a new job. It's going to pay more. It's going to be closer to home because I currently commute an hour. Uh, not fun every morning, but some of you do more than me, so don't come and tell me, oh, well, I can you two hours. <laughs> don't. Just, just don't. And I also wanted, I wanted a, I also was like, Lord, I also, it's also gonna, it's gonna allow me more opportunity to ministry. Because my job, if you guys don't know, sometimes it takes me out of town. I'll miss ministry opportunities or being able to go to things. Sometimes it takes me out of town on Sundays as well, so I miss, you guys know I do Sunday school every week. I hate missing that. Um, so I wanted something to do that. I mean that. I love your guys' kids. Some of them are crazy, but I still love them. That's why I teach them some things. I'm not going to tell you what those are. <clears throat> so obviously I told you it was a 95% pay bump. Well, this job is also now going to decrease my commute from an hour to 10 minutes. So, and that alone, just in the commute time, gives me more time for ministry because I'm one of those people on Thursday nights that cannot get here before 7 if I work. Um, But one of the things I was really kind of concerned with when I first went into it was how will this affect ministry? 
because they didn't want it to. Um, there's no point in moving up and getting a different and better job if it's going to completely take me out of ministry. But one of the biggest encouragements I have for that was actually right at that moment because I hadn't formally accepted that job yet when God brought that back to my memory. My thought was, wow, if the Lord is being faithful, he's giving me the salary increase and he's blowing it out of the water as to what I thought. The the commute time is going down way more uh, than I expected. I mean, even going down to like 30 minutes a day would feel really awesome, but now it's only 10 minutes. So I was like, well, if he's faithful in those things, I'm pretty confident he's going to be faithful in the rest of it. And I have great faith that he's going to open up a lot of doors for me to do other ministry opportunities. Maybe it'll be that I can now go to these leadership development deals or work with Grow, maybe do more Bible studies. Lord knows I need to do more of those. Uh, so, so if you guys are one of those that isn't great at that, I'm in the same boat. Um, but then also, what also came to my mind is, if the Lord is faithful with the one selfish declaration I had, how much more faithful is he going to be with, with those that are coming back? Because... And it was a lot of confirmation because right after he brought that back to me, pastor starts talking about that foundation for suddenly. It wasn't suddenly like I thought it was. There was that foundation that was being built. And yeah, I, I don't know if I have anything else more to say, but yeah. Did you, did you hear the motive? How many years have you been in Sunday school? 17th, you started when you were like three, teaching Sunday school, right? (laughs) 17 years. 17 years. God, I want to, I don't want things to interfere. I want to be able to be more involved. And there's a blessing he gets in the process. Because the scripture says God is not unjust. To forget your work and your labor of love. And I promise you, God, in the end, it may not happen right when you want it to. You may have to build a foundation for a little while. But God pays way better than anything you and I could ever deserve. Provision. Well, part of it is for the purpose of providing for you and I. Provision is ultimately for the purpose of providing for His kingdom. You and I get to be the beneficiaries of being the channel of which through the blessing flows. Bishop has said it for years, and and now as pastor, I echo it. God could send somebody. I believe absolutely. You may think it's crazy. I believe God could send somebody here to to write a $10 million check to just give for a minute. And he may do that one day. So be it. He can do. That's not a big deal for God. That's a big deal for you and I. That's not a big deal for God. But what has been said, and I agree wholeheartedly. That person walks in here, does that, they get the benefit, they get the blessing. But I believe it's God's will that the kingdom get blessed and benefited by us, by you. Because again, as you are a conduit through which God is working and touching lives and through which God is blessing the kingdom, God always leaves behind bread for the sower. But you're supposed to use the seed to sow. I said at the beginning, the baskets are out. If you'd like to give, and I know some of you do this online, you've already done it, whatever. Let me tell you something, folks. We didn't get here as a church with a consumer mentality. Antioch is not what it is today because of a consumer mentality. Not only did it start with Bishop and Mother Wright with an attitude of giving, but there's people that have been here 30, 40 years, a part of this church, 
that have had the same attitude and spirit. I know every now and then I seem to come back to this, but I I guess I'll just get on it again tonight. I preach to some 20-somethings and 30-somethings who your primary focus right now is what can you do for your career and how can you make money and how can you get set for your future. You know what? I don't advise you to take the route my wife and I took. We... We, we, we decided we wanted to get married and, and, and my dad sat us down and I think, I think her dad was in the meeting as well. We sat down and, and, and my dad had, and he got out a piece of paper and a pencil and he started writing out, you know, this is what it's going to cost you and this is what you make. It didn't matter. Who cares, man? We are in love. And we couldn't afford to get married. But the timing was such, and my parents were gracious enough. They were in the process of building a house, and they built in that house a separate in-law apartment. It had everything we needed to function on our own. As I've already said, I was working part-time here at the church, going to college, and for a little bit she worked, and then she came here. And we scraped only reason we went on vacation is because somebody took us. only reason we ate out is because somebody took us. Sometimes the only reason we ate is because somebody fed us. <laughs> we, we didn't have... It was, our, 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 I'm not telling you to do that. Daniel's not at the age to be able to do this, so I'll just use the one that's technically at the age. I mean, if Timothy called me up and said, Dad, I, I'm ready to get married, I'm you're crazy, kid. You can't do that. I was driving him back to the airport a couple of months ago when he was heading back to California, and I'm sitting there and thinking, he is the age I was when I got engaged. But of course, I quickly told myself, he ain't ready. <laughs> I was ready, but he's not ready. And probably every reason I was checking off in my mind applied to me. I'm not promoting to you young folks to not work to get an education and trust God to give you a good job and whatever. But that can't be the thing you live for. That can't be the thing you're pursuing. That can't be your motive in life. If you will seek first the kingdom. If you will seek first the kingdom. No, not everybody's going to get a 95% pay increase. But the principle will hold. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things. I told it, I think, at the leadership development. I've, I've kind of... This is not wise financial advice, so please do not apply this. Say it. this is... I pretty much decided it's kind of pointless for my wife and I to try to have a savings. Because I think there's been at least three, if not maybe four times now, that we had actually accumulated a decent amount of savings. We got in some mission service or some service about giving. God moved on us gave it all I told it again at the leadership development session but my wife's grandfather passed away years ago and this was back when, when we definitely didn't hardly have anything <laughs> and he had a sizable inheritance that he gave all of his grandkids very sizable we could have done a whole lot with that at the moment at the time the decision was to give it. I can stand here tonight and tell you when you take the seed, when you take the provision that God has for you, 
and use it for the purposes God intends, then according to what Paul says, there's going to be enough. There's going to be enough. No, I can't tell you that we got more than we need right now. But what I can tell you is every time we go back to the barrel, every time we go back to the cruise, there's more meal and there's more oil. I'd like it to all be in excess, but that's also a part of the process that he keeps us in a place of trusting. We may not get all of it at once, but he's faithful to continue to give because when I decide I am not intending, intended to be a barn to consume and hoard. Y'all ever seen any of those shows, hoarders? We got some spiritual hoarders accumulating everything you can accumulate for yourself. God's saying, you know, you know the problem when you keep stuff too long? It, 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 it deteriorates. Wears out. God's saying, you know what? I, I'd like for there to be a continual flow. You give and I get back. You give and I'll give back. You give and I'll give back so that it's fresh and it's new. Here's a not, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit. Here's the other problem many of us have. We say, God, if you will, if you'll give me the job, I'll start giving. God, if you'll give me a lesser commute and more convenience with my work, then I will work more for the kingdom. That's not the way it works. Because if you won't give now, you won't give then. If you won't make time now, you won't make time then. But if you'll do like Brother Eric did and some others in this place have done, and you put the kingdom first and you live what you're saying, he was already living what he was saying. And God says, since I've seen what you've been doing, I'm going to bless what you're doing. Would you stand, please? God doesn't want you and I, the term the Bible uses is cisterns. God doesn't want us to be containers to hold it all in. God wants us to be conduits through which He can flow. I wonder if some of you have got pain or sickness in your body that the answer for your healing is to have faith to pray for somebody else and believe that God will heal somebody else, that God will touch somebody else's body, take away somebody else's pain. And in the process of doing that, God's going to say, I'm going to provide for you as well. We, we are, I, I, I believe, I think many of you, I'm pretty sure would concur, we we are at a very, I think, exciting place. Man, what a... They're, they're, if you're not, if you're on Realm and you're really not paying attention to Realm, that's our church software administrative program, you're, you're missing some good stuff on there. I've been just trying to bait the hook and a bunch of people have been biting and Man, there was some, there's some great stuff shared from last Thursday night and what people are gleaning and gathering and what they received from the sessions last week. We are, we are there. That's happening. That's going to happen. In us, in our lives, in our ministry, in our relationship with God. And that's going to produce other areas of growth. I would just, I would like to do this tonight. We don't have to take forever. I know it's almost eight o'clock and automobiles are about to be turning back into pumpkins. Your golden or your uh, glass slippers are getting ready to turn back into worn out shoes. I wonder if there's anybody here that you'd be willing to take a few minutes tonight and Get out of your seat and make your way down to this altar. 
as a statement to the Lord to say, God, I am committing to you afresh and anew that I'm not looking for provision in my life just so my life will be more comfortable. How about how about this one? Let's let's how about this one, Brother Isaac? How about some of you single folks? The only reason you want to get married is so you have companionship or you got a spouse. What if you could truly say that part of the reason you want to get married is so God can team you up with the right person for ministry so that you can be an impact to the kingdom? What what if you could say that, not just with words as lip service, but you could really mean that? I don't know about you, but I sure would like to live what Paul said. I'd like to live where there's more than what I need. I'd like to live where there's an abundance. The only way I'm going to get there is if my mind is focused not on consuming it on myself. But how can I bless somebody else? What can God use me to be a blessing to somebody else for? How how can God provide something for me that I can in turn use to be a blessing and a support to somebody else? Father, tonight we recommit ourselves as individuals and also as a congregation, Lord. We don't we're not going to be spiritual hoarders. We're not simply going to consume upon ourselves for our own benefit, but we want to be a conduit. Whether it's our time, whether it's our finances, our abilities that you've blessed us with, that they would not simply be for our own benefit, for our own sake, God, but that they could be used for the sake of your kingdom, the provision you provided is because you know what lies ahead not just the challenges or some of the difficulties but but you know the things you want to do through us you you know the way you want to use us in our future and so you are providing even now what it is we have need of for that to be able to happen through our lives in the name of Jesus We commit ourselves, your kingdom first. Your kingdom first, Lord. We're going to seek the kingdom first. We're going to seek the purpose of the kingdom first. Not our own lives. Not our own personal dreams and visions and desires. We're going to pursue you. We're going to pursue you, God, and let you add to us. You said if we would seek you first. You said if we would seek you first, all these things would be added. In the name of Jesus, let grace abound in our lives. Let grace abound toward us, but not for us to consume it upon ourselves. Not for us to find out how we can best be benefited by it, but let it abound toward us for every good work. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're available, Lord. We're available. Not to be a storage place for you to invest in. But for you to be a conduit to flow through. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to be consumed Lord, you're no respecter of persons You're no respecter of persons What you've done for Brother Eric You're faithful to do with us, for others What you've done for Brother Isaac Middleton Lord, you're faithful to do for others 
journeys are right, if our heart is right, if our motives are right. Lord, here's my In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. keep singing. You're welcome to keep praying. Whenever you're done, you're welcome to go, but I would encourage you not to be in a hurry if the Spirit of the Lord talking to you, ministering to you. You take whatever 